Hi, everybody. Strange and interesting times. I'm here in my little chilly studio in my Yeti wear. It's the first time it's really gotten cold in California. Um, I'm talking with Compton Rom today. Now, I've been teasing this with you for a little while because, uh, as you know, Compton... Uh, um, who is a microbiologist and uh, many has many other talents among them with a passion, lifelong passion and deep understanding of viruses and bacteria is here with us today. We're going to be talking about a number of issues surrounding the virus, but most importantly about the best strategies for keeping your health absolutely pristine because when it comes down to it, we have no idea what percentage of the public will encounter this around the world, but we can take responsibility for keeping ourselves healthy and calm. So as that little bumper sticker says, stay calm and carry on. And with that, let's bring Compton on. Compton, it's so good to see you again. Um, you sorry it's under these circumstances, but what better time to see you? <laughs> Thank you very much. How are you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so you're in Utah? I am in Utah. We're in Salt Lake. And mm -hmm. we follow everything that uh, L.A. and San Francisco does. So we just got our shutdowns of restaurants and gyms and, and everything uh, yesterday, last night. So I assume we're going to be on home lockup and shut down pretty soon here. Quick. Yes, and the Bay Area in particular has been, you know, is very strict with it. Um, I've heard from some of my friends there, you know, about 7 million people involved. And it's uh, home shelter, I think is what it's called, or shelter in home is the term they're using for kind of a, a quarantine of sorts voluntarily. And it's only to um, go out and get necessary goods um, or go to wash your clothes at a laundromat. Um, it's interesting because I did go out today. I actually went to a farmer's market today because wanted to stock up on two of our favorite items. And I had to drive by a massive mall in to ghost town. All of that, all of the um, anchor stores uh, and small stores in between the whole thing had just really a few cars in the parking lot, no one on the freeway. So here in Northern California, it's also slowed way down, but they have not yet shut down the restaurant scene. So, uh, that's we're that we're yet to experience that, but no one's really going out anyway. Empty uh, empty grocery store shelves uh, are starting to happen. I saw one yesterday. Interesting, you'll love it. <laughs> Being as health conscious as you are, um, there was an end cap in our local supermarket that had like five or six shelves. Boom, 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 um, and there was just one lonely little can sitting askew of spam. All the spam was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have military rations and militia and all of that uh, down to people who are getting their juices and saying, well, I think if we get by for a couple of days, we'll be okay. So that's where we are today. So first of all, um, let's talk about the virus. There's something that we're going to get into, which is the nature of viruses themselves. But give us an idea of what your understanding is in terms of what the reach of this virus will be, because you have contacts in some high places. The reach of it and when the peak is expected to hit uh, just from your streams of information. And we have a lot of streams happening. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I went to um, University of Michigan Medical School and I also then did an MD-PhD program in in microbiology uh, at Michigan State University, and that was over 30 years ago. So all the guys I went to school with 
our major microbiologists and doctors. And, and I have a couple friends at the CDC, and, and one's actually a lawyer now for the CDC. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've just been chatting with each other and texting each other. And I will present to you the findings that I found. And unfortunately, this peak will not occur at least until uh, mid-April. And most of the, uh, the CDC um, compatriots that I have thinks that the peak is going to come mid-May, believe it or not. Okay. And, and we're going to talk about why it's really important that we have this quarantine, we have this self-quarantine. I know it's, it's very uh, encumbering for people, but in reality, you know, China has done us all a favor by uh, doing... Uh, it's um, quarantined so viciously and, and um, throughout the whole country. It, it literally gave the whole world uh, a way to, to do it on their own as well. So, uh, and, and, the, and the plots will show that China's uh, deaths are decreasing when they should have been increasing by now, but because of the quarantine, it's decreasing. And same with us. All this will pass. You know? Yeah. The main point is... I just want to present everyone with the facts that I know it, and the facts are coming in every hour, basically. So, indeed, um, what I have is basically all the latest news just compiled um, from a scientific point of view, but I'm going to talk to everyone from a layman's point of view. So, what I want to talk about is the latest findings that I've uh, found on the news. I'm talking with uh, my friends in the CDC, some microbiology friends that are heads of their department, and uh, getting from, you know, basically the front lines, the lowdown on, on coronavirus. And I want to present it in layman's terms. So I don't want to be very scientific here, even though I do have the references. And I'm just a messenger. And you know, the disclaimers that I'm saying is that I'm a, I'm a scientific person, I'm a microbiologist, I do have medical school training, but all the decisions, all the information that I'm presenting, please just take it for your educational information purposes only, and don't take it as, as gospel. I mean, don't take my information to supplant to your doctors or, or any healthcare professional. I appreciate your saying that. And I've also been with many other people kind of posting on a daily basis, interesting little bits and pieces, bits and bobs from different doctors about strategies for healing and their own, their own opinions on it. And we're going to talk about um, looking at how we find this curve, how we take care of our body. And in our second uh second part, we're going to be talking about eliminating the curve. And we're going to be even talking about some of the strategies that the CDC and others are looking at and pharmaceutical companies are looking at for this, because it has to be mentioned what's coming down the pipe. We need to be, we need to be aware of that. So let's start at the beginning, what you're learning now about where we are. My company is Ascended Health. Uh, we've been in business for about 15 years as a, a microbiologist, and I actually create products for the microbiome of the body. So believe it or not, my clients are the microbes of the body. And I see the world from the microbes point of view. And, uh, and again, any information provided in this talk is meant for research, education, and informational purposes only. And this is not to be used as a substitute for professional advice. And I invite everyone to research all the information given. 
Now this uh, PowerPoint presentation, I will make it available on the ascendedhealth.com website in the next couple of days. People can download it, just review everything at, as they will. So, you know, no one needs to write anything down. I just want people to sit back and just kind of like take in what I'm trying to take in just so you can get the information. You know, a little bit about me, the way that I'm presenting information, you know, microbes are my friend and our body is 90% microbes, you know, it's only 10% human. So all this talk about the coronavirus kind of uh, tugs at my heart because number one, viruses are essential to our daily living. They inhabit every single cell of the body. There are viruses of humans, there are viruses of animals, there are viruses of plants. And if you go smaller, all fungi have viruses. And you go smaller, all bacteria have viruses. And in fact, the way genetic engineering was started were studying um, the, the viruses of this little plant called tobacco, tobacco mosaic virus, and the little viruses of bacteria. And they're called bacteriophages and how we were able to manipulate uh, our world is literally through the study of viruses called bacteriophages and they're essential to the way we live you know and coronavirus is no different um the the takeaway that i want to give for this first part is the coronavirus that we're experiencing now is a novel virus it, it apparently jumped from animal to a human and every time um, we get viruses that do that, we did that with the bird flu in 2006 and with the SARS in 2003. And guess what? They were all coronaviruses. And the coronavirus is, is basically the virus that we normally attach to the common cold. So we get coronaviruses all the time, but those coronaviruses are human viruses. They know how to act in humans, but when Viruses jump from species to species, in this case, from an animal, a bat, apparently, to a human, um, maybe to a dog and then to a human. It doesn't know how to act in humans. And frequently, when they jump into a new species, we're talking about viruses that kind of freak out in these new species. And they actually cause more severe symptoms at first until they learn how to live inside their whole species. So what we're experiencing is actually the birth of a new virus inside a new species. I have a quick question here because other people are, are listening to you and they're wondering right now because a lot of the information out there is that there is also, um, there also, there's also a laboratory outside of Wuhan that uh, deals with these viruses, that they, they also um, engineer viruses and use them for various things, that this could be a, at least in part, a genetically engineered virus. Now, does that change anything if it is, if it's, if it jumped from a lab instead of just a bird or an animal? That, that doesn't change things. Okay. You know, a, a virus is a virus, whether it's man-made genetically engineered or it comes from nature. Okay. No. constantly genetically engineering their own virus. These viruses, all they do is mutate. And so they're kind of like a roulette wheels and, and they're looking for, uh, they spin the wheel all the time with their DNA and they mutate, you know, in nature constantly. So to do it in the lab and spin the wheel in the lab, it's, it's basically the same thing. You don't really know what you're getting until you find out um, in that host what happens, 
you know? So they, they spin the wheel, they mutate, or, you know, in the lab, they're, they're creating different things and they put it in the host and they just want to see what's, what happens. Okay, that's good. Um, because we need to just kind of jump past that part. We don't know where it came from exactly, um, but it's here. And now we're talking about what happens as it starts mutating in the human body. This is the coronavirus. And you see that the reason why it's called a coronavirus is because it's got these little spikes on the outside called uh, glycoprotein spikes. And it just makes kind of like a corona-like uh, look to it. And again, it's the virus of the common cold. We get coronaviruses every year, every year. This one is just a special one. Uh, the nature of the coronavirus, I said that uh, we've been infected many, many times. It's the virus that we consider as a common cold. And, and how it's different is like the 2003 SARS virus, this Wuhan coronavirus, which is now known as coronavirus um, disease 19. So it's called COVID-19. Um, it's apparently jumped from an animal to a human. And when this happens, viruses are unstable and can cause more severe reactions at first. Now, because it's um, uh, the blessing in disguise is my feeling, again, this is my opinion only, it's the virus has already uh, jumped from China to Europe and now to the United States. So it's basically had three continents to kind of like submerse itself in how to live in human beings. So as, it, as a virus, viruses want to live and spread. They don't want to kill people. Um, if viruses kill people, then the viruses don't live because it needs people. It needs people to live. So... You know, we're witnessing a ver um, the birth of what a virus is like adjusting to infecting human beings. So should we be worried? I would say no. You know, with adequate protection, without adequate prevention, with adequate proactive measures, which I'm going to talk about, and most of all, remaining calm, we should not be worried. That's my gut feeling. So... One of the things you talked about there, which is really important, and we've talked about this uh, in other shows, and this is, I think, where your sentiment comes in. As you just said, viruses do not want to kill the host. They need the host to live. So they're fighting and struggling to adapt to the host for their own survival. And so this is the process we're in right now, globally, as it goes through each of our gene pools, trying to figure out how it works best with each of our gene pools. That's correct. Yeah, the virus is, a, is basically a meta-organism, and, and these viruses are somehow connected to each other. Whether they're communicating to each other, I don't know, but they're connected to each other, and they're, they're just learning to live with human beings. Okay, so the next question is this, because again, this whole thing, people keep likening things um, back to the Spanish flu, where you had uh, a bump in it in the, in the winter um, and spring one year, and then it went away and then came out back stronger in the fall. Now, is that counterintuitive? If our bodies are starting to adapt and they're adapting to us, should we see a lessening rather than a strengthening of the effect if it pops back up again after this first, as this first wave is quelled? Uh, no, we may see secondary effects. So once you uh, get into a host, that host will experience um, um, intricacies in, in their body that may not show up six months later. For example, you know, this coronavirus, I believe, is going to show up uh, with people with um, heart disease in about a year. 
And all signs are pointing to that once you get the second attack of this particular coronavirus, you would have an increased likelihood of a heart attack. And why? It's because it's, it's affecting respiratory cells. And for some reason, while it affects those respiratory cells, it's, it's affecting the blood pressure and the heart rate. And within six months, um, you know, people with uh, lung diseases, their, their health starts to go down and their cardiovascular system starts to go down. So when this, when this hits again, you have uh, a lesser chance of succeeding. You're not as strong as you were before. That's okay. what happened. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. The, um, another question that has come up that has been, I've seen debated on different sites is whether or not if you contract it one time and, you know, you move on through it like a common cold, can you, can you get it again? Just like we can get the common cold again. Well, it depends on if the virus mutates, right? And, and what you have the antigens to. I mean, uh, I'm going to go through, on, on the second part of this talk, I'm going to go through the six, seven or the six layers of, of okay. basic immunity and how your body fights this. Okay. While we just don't want to depend on, on antibodies and, and we don't want to depend on the antibodies that the vaccines give us. We need to depend on our natural immunity. So everything counts, you know? And I, I don't want to denigrate vaccines because vaccines are actually wonderful to in the short term. And, and you know, having a, a vaccine for this virus will save this world a lot of money and, and it'll cure people fast. But again, you know, it's, it's only one leg of our immune system and I'll go into that. And we need to have a balanced system to fight this virus and all the other viruses. Yeah, because a lot of people are going to say, ah, no, I don't want that vaccine. Don't like what's coming down to the pike. I mean, okay, well, we'll get into it later. But for me personally, I've noticed in my life when I was a kid and got the standard vaccines, I got those diseases. Yeah. When I was an adult, I had the flu vaccine once and I got the flu that one year and I'm a more vulnerable citizen. So it's like, don't get vaccines anywhere near me. So we'll talk about the quality of the type of vaccines coming down the pike in a little bit. So do you want to go into the seven-point um, effect of how this rolls out? Well, how about if I just go through quickly what the coronavirus is looking at now? Sure. So uh, what you're seeing here is that China, it is now March 13th, uh, approximately six weeks after. It's still going up, but it's but it's peaking. And so they, they experience this phenomenon. They should have been way up here, but they've experienced this phenomenon by quarantining and, and getting everyone indoors and not uh, socially interacting. They experience this phenomenon we now know as flattening the curve. Okay. So right here, the United States, we have just started, probably like March 8th had just started. And in Italy, they started around March 1st. In Iran, they started about March 1st. So the virus went from China, it went to Europe, and now it's gone to the United States. So it had three different places to jump. And it's, and it's basically, again, learning how to deal with people. So what I expect here is, is I would expect severity of symptoms to be very severe in the first case, and in Europe to be less severe in the United States, it's gonna be even less severe. It's just starting here in the US, it is now, um, March uh, 17th had started around March 8th in New York City. 
in the confirmed cases in Asia, the new cases in Asia, you can see that when it started in beginning of January, it peaked towards the end of January, the new cases peaked in the end of January, and the number of new cases started going down at, after about three weeks, okay? And I would expect the number of new cases in the United States to start going down after three weeks. The estimated U.S. peak date, and again, I've talked to a couple of CDC experts. Um, they expect uh, the peak date to be around May 15th, right? My gut feeling is because we're doing all this self-quarantining and we're acting responsibly, um, if we superimpose the graph of, of China's graph, and granted, I think we're going to be less severe than China, if we superimpose it, yeah, it started May on March 8th. We are here, March 16th. So we're like here on the exponential growth curve. So it's exponentially going to increase in the United States until about March 12th, uh, April 12th. I'm sorry, for like a month from now. So we're going to be flattening the curve and hopefully by May 15th, it'll start to decline because China, as of yet, they haven't shown their new numbers, but they're still uh, increasing every day. So we'll see. So right. We'll see about six to 10 weeks for full infectivity of this virus based on what's happening in China. You know, um, when listening to uh, different world leaders and such, uh, the German scientists and Angela Merkel, the chancellor there, um, they also have quarantined Germany, very strict quarantine. They do not want this spreading any more than necessary, obviously. And Angela said, Angela said, that in, in their opinion, a good percentage of the population would be exposed to it. It's not going to wipe out a good percentage of the population but a large percentage of our population will have exposure to this virus, which is to me why the really the, the emphasis now should be on 100% on immune system building. And for the moment, um, the next couple months, safe practices in terms of these self-quarantines. Um, because again, we have a mix, a very interesting audience is going to say, yeah, but what about the social isolation? What about the economic impacts? Those are all impacts. I believe it's going to be a different world that we're living in economically, socially, and in terms of our own heart and responsibility to one another uh, by the summer. I think it's going to look like a different world. And yes. so we can be okay with that. But you're the, what you have to say is the key in helping bring ourselves together and into a wholesome state of health because <laughs> that's yeah. really the issue. I mean, we, we really need to look holistically what makes up our health and our well-being. Yeah. And I'm going to go over the six layers mm -hmm. of immunity. And, and obviously the first layer is, is, is basically our belief system, right? Absolutely. We're fear-based or we're determined to uh, come together as, as one. And you can tell the people uh, that are fear-based and what they're doing, just how they talk to you, how they handle the doors and, and whether or not someone is like really afraid or... Um, someone that's just going out there to be determined. But right now, you know, mentally and psychologically, I want to present the facts and figures to show that we shouldn't be in fear of this coronavirus. And, and this is actually a blessing in disguise. Um, obviously, we're going through a lot of um, uh, financial trouble right now and psychological trauma right now, but we're going to look back and we'll see that as a country, 
uh, we're coming together as a people and in our and hopefully in our food system we're going to create a food system that's a lot more nutritious than it's than it already is because our nutritional status as a general public is horrible you know? and it true and what and our emotional status especially in america where people are and it's true all over the world people are all stressed and and have money situations globally but um in america this whole uh, work ethic that we have, that our value has to come through that. And now people are being told to stay home. Some companies cannot work from home. People have a suddenly a two, three, four, eight week vacation and are looking at time maybe for the first time that's undedicated to be quiet and to feel yourself. And I keep thinking, what's going to happen when it all cranks back up and people say, I hated my life. I hate that job. I don't want to do that anymore. And people are going to find out that the actual real wealth is health. Exactly. The first wealth is health. And if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Yeah. And the biggest part of health is not the foods that we eat. It's not the supplements that we take, the supplements that we sell. It's our mindset. It's our emotional health. And it's how we treat each other and basically how we treat ourselves and how we look at ourselves. And it's just like that. You know when we're on airplanes and, and we get that speech that we never listen to? And the first thing <laughs> yeah. you say that, hey, before you put this mask on your child, you got to put this mask on yourself. So we need to treat ourselves kindly. And one of the things now, because we're in a state of fear, everybody, especially the heads of the households, we need to look at ourselves and start looking at ourselves kindly and not try to think, hey, how have I failed my family? How have I failed my children? And how have I failed my parents, you know, as a caregiver or whatnot? This is a new chance to start from ground zero. This is a new chance to start uh, appreciating life and, and re re-looking at how we're doing things and to care for one another and to care for one another and so the information that i'm about to to give you know I'm, you know at the end at the second part i'm actually going to teach people how to create some of these formulations with natural um, supplements that have been proven to be effective um some against the coronavirus and most of these against the aids virus because the coronavirus and the aids virus are very very similar so I'm going to be open sourcing how to do it and, and, and hopefully people will come together and, and start to share, you know. So, you know, I'm going to uh, maybe we can do another session and how I can take people how to make some of these supplements, basically how to make a yogurt. Yes, so, a plant-based yogurt. I yes. think you said a plant-based yogurt. That will be in the second part. Yeah. So this first part, <laughs> let's, um, let's just look at the symptoms of coronavirus. Okay, so number one you can see is, is fever. Most of the 90% of the time it's fever. And then you have dry cough and fatigue. So basically the, the three big ones is fever, dry cough, and fatigue. Um, we do have a little bit of, sp of sputum and shortness of breath. But then it goes down to muscle pain, sore throat, headache, chills, vomiting, nasal congestion, and, and diarrhea. And what they don't say is... Probably 30 to 40% of the people with the actual coronavirus are asymptomatic, meaning that they don't show any symptoms except for maybe a, a slight fever, which you can't tell, or a little dry cough. 
Well, what's interesting is part of this is also happening during allergy season, right? That's so correct. some people can't yeah. tell. In fact, a, 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 an, a friend of Zeus's has tested positive. He has a congregation of people. So the city of Omaha told him to take the test, said, yes, you should take the test. He'd come back from Spain. Didn't have any symptoms when he returned, did all of the things you're supposed to do according to the CDC, um, and came back and he thought he just had allergies. He just had a little tickle, cough in his throat. Turned out he had coronavirus and he's now quarantined, but it blew through in two days. Just a cough, a slight cough that he thought was an allergy. So allergic symptoms, and then people might have another type of cold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's really common. The flus are common this time of year. So as we continue, the good news, okay, so the bad news is that increasing. The good news is the death rates in China are dropping, and they're dropping fast. More good news. Okay, I just found this out today. As more people shed high levels of coronavirus, most are not likely infectious after about 10 days after they start to experience symptoms. Okay, so good to know. 10 days. So basically less than two weeks, a week and a half after one starts to experience symptoms and you do have the coronavirus, most people aren't infectious anymore. Good news. Good news. Yes. So unfortunately, um, older people are affected with the coronavirus. So the ages of um, people that are 80 and above in China, approximately 20%, one out of five of those people affected, affected had died. And one out of 10 between the ages of 70 and 80 have died. And between 60 and 69, about one out of 20. So when you're lower than 50 years old, that's when the, the fatality rates really start to, to decrease. But that doesn't mean the infectivity, okay? So <laughs> the, the millennials- One in five, are, it looked like the number was one in five over 80 at 18%, right? Roughly one yes, in five. over 80 is one in five in China. Right. And over 70, it's one in 10. 10. Over 60, it's one in 20. Yeah. Okay. So I just saw a thing. The millennials are calling this the boomer busters. Yeah. Because all the boomers are in their 60s now. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, you know, they're the ones getting hardest hit by this. But the ones that are experiencing symptoms that are actually getting the ones, um, that are that you can see that the um, that the highest peak in it, well, those experiencing symptoms are the ones between fifty and fifty nine, and around them is the the seventies and the ones that are forties. So, um, people in their twenties, they're they're less to experience this, and believe it or not, the children are not getting symptoms. Yeah, as a, the Spanish flu. Yeah, you know, the Spanish flu in nineteen oh eight. The only ones that got symptoms were the were the children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is this is amazing. I mean, that gives a lot of people some comfort. Yes. Yeah, so children below the ages of uh, 20, uh, they, they probably won't get the, the coronavirus. It's, it's the millennials and up. Getting yeah. It. So it's great. It's really good news. Very good news. Uh, when we when I first saw this in in the beginning of part of February, the, the initial results came in that the COVID had a point zero point three percent fatality rate, but that was across the board. And when we started looking at the different demographics, we're seeing that the fatality rate versus of COVID was really high and against 
you know, seasonal flu, uh, while the seasonal flu had a 0.1% fatality rate for all ages, COVID-19 in China is, is 10, to 12, 10 to 20 times higher, 2.3%. And you can see that you know, in ages 60 years, it's four to seven times higher than the flu. It's about a 66% uh, fatality rate. Mm-hmm. you know, with every year. So, uh, you know, what ends up happening now is they're finding that um, the coronavirus is being carried by money. Yeah. And what's well, th- this is obvious. I was thinking about that at the farmer's market this morning and thought, at what point do they tell people that they have to go to other pay sources and can't carry money. And I think some people have expressed a concern about that. So tell us about it. Well, China, you know, a lot of the, um, the, the money there is in paper bills and they're finding out that the coronavirus, you know, besides other flu viruses and, and, and other viruses, the coronavirus has been shown to survive up to 12 days on paper money. And it's even more, on coins, coins yeah. that can survive up to 30 days. And in New York, $1 bills in New York, they've found over 400 bacterial species living on the surface. So China, in places like Wuhan, they're literally burning the paper money and giving people either new money or they're putting that on debit cards. Interesting. You know, we'll see how that plays out here and around the world. Okay, very yeah. interesting. So that's, that's one thing to keep aware of. If you've got paper money, there are ways to clean the money. Either you, you put the money, I say, in ozonated water, and I'll, and I'll tell you how to do that, or you spray it with uh, 70% alcohol, okay? So you don't want to spray it with 90% alcohol. 70% alcohol is, is the way to spray things because the water in the alcohol is actually the one thing, the solvent that's actually going to get into the virus and, and kill it. Yeah, this this gets a lot of people in, in uh, more of the conspiracy uh, communities uh, pretty upset thinking that the ability to carry paper cash might be eliminated as a result of this. But yeah. we've just got to, like you said, you're going to show us how to launder our own money and then we just have to wait and see how the governments of the world are going to are going to respond to this this particular hazard. Yeah. So let's go to the next slide. So just today, uh, there's another theory that's going around that taking ibuprofen could make the coronavirus even worse. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to do some research into that. Most of the people that I'm talking about, it's just this is anecdotal evidence. And I'm a big believer in anecdotal evidence, but I'm also a big believer in scientific studies. But uh, right now, they're saying that uh, ibuprofen is something that can actually make the symptoms worse. Is that because it could bring down a necessary fever or what? Well, uh, that's because that uh, ibuprofen, as opposed to aspirin, as opposed to um, other uh, NSAIDs, uh, has a different effect on the immune system. And we don't know what's happening. So you know, every single... Um, anti-inflammatory we take has a different effect in our body. Doesn't that affect the liver more? It does. Yeah. yeah. Tylenol and, and other ibuprofens, uh, um, you know, acetaminophen, they affect the liver. Um, but they affect the liver in different degrees. Now, ibuprofen affects the liver by uh, the cytochrome P450 system. And who knows 
what it's doing. Uh, anecdotal evidence is saying that the people taking ibuprofen are experiencing symptoms where the people that aren't taking ibuprofen aren't experiencing symptoms. And, and again, we know that the young kids are not experiencing symptoms, but it seems that the ones that are experiencing symptoms have been taking the ibuprofen. And again, take this all with a, with a grain of salt. So now we want to talk about flattening the curve. Okay, so this whole question of why self-quarantining is so important and why people really need to, to take quarantining seriously and not dismiss it, it's not a joke. You know, what they found in China, and thank goodness China is doing this because without their lead, we wouldn't be doing this. They took this very seriously right away. And uh, their leadership saw that the impact that this was going to have in the world economy. So they took protective measures to decrease the uh, to decrease the social interactions with people. And what they saw was instead of the curve going this way as it once was going to do, it went and it went down here. And, and what you're trying to do is you want to flatten the curve enough so the healthcare system doesn't expand its capacity. So staying home yes. helps prevent the U.S. healthcare system from being overloaded. And why we need to be responsible is because the elderly people that are really going to need the healthcare system need to be in there. And we as the younger people, you know, we can help them out and, and provide um, space in our healthcare system for the ones that truly need it. That's why we need this help. Yeah, and we're hearing from different cities, um, certainly around America, because we're, we have that media flowing here, um, that there are a number of areas and, and major hospitals that have their health professionals and nurses in quarantine because they've been exposed. So they're already stressed to the max on personnel, and they're not, they have not up to this point been able to get test kits to find out if they may have 100 nurses in quarantine, self-quarantine, and they have no tests. Um, so this is, this is tough. We really want to stay out of the hospital if we can, right? Yes, we do. And even if you get tested, the, the natural supplemental means that I'm going to be presenting in part two of this, we should be taking it anyway because they're, they're natural things that people take on a, on a daily basis and they don't harm us. So as long as it doesn't harm us, we should be taking it. Yeah, agreed. What we want to do here is, you know, my, my mission was, can we do better than this? And I'm saying, yes, we can eliminate the curve. We can take this curve all the way out. And this is what uh, the point of my next slide, or my next presentation is, be, uh, is going to be, is, is in eliminating the curve. No one's talking about that yet. No, they're not. Okay, so... How can we eliminate the curve? Well, the only way to eliminate the curve right now is to take home-based proactive and defensive measures. If we don't take proactive measures ourselves, we're gonna to have to wait until the government and, and the various forces that be force measures on us. But if we can collectively look at ourselves and say, hey, we can do this and take proactive measures, and, and the number one thing with proactive measurement is, is raising our innate immunity. And I'm going to talk about that in our next series of slides. And the number one thing to raise our, our immunity is our belief system. It's not anything that we take. It's not anything that we do. It's not any of the foods that we eat. It's our belief system. You know, are we going to live in fear or are we going to be determined and just do it? 
Absolutely. And that's why I think it's so important to have knowledge. And the worst part of this has been what people are most afraid of, of course, is the unknown. And because we haven't been given any reliable information in the U.S. and because they haven't made tests available here and so forth, it's left people to think for themselves and oftentimes go into panic mode if they're fearful by nature. So I think this kind of calm, sane conversation is really important to say, hey, a lot of people will be exposed to it, but they're not going to die for it. Of course, we have We've already gone over the fact that the elderly are certainly going to be more challenged and the bulk of the population will not have severe effect from it. So fear, I think you're right, absolutely, is the number one thing we have to contend with and just flatten the curve on fear. Exactly. Eliminate the curve on fear. So let's look at fear, okay? So number one, um, the death rates in China is already going down after six weeks. But we saw after three weeks, you know, uh, China, let's say China got infected January 1st. But after three weeks, the number of new cases drastically started going down because they started quarantining, right? We got this on March 8th. It started appearing in New York City. So after three weeks, it should be the end of March before the, the new cases started to be going, will start to go down. And that's in a week, the end of March, you know, a week and a half. So you know, if we can just quarantine ourselves now for the next week and a half and just stay calm, all the new cases will start going down, right? The death rates are going down. Um, we're seeing increase, a decrease in severity of the symptoms. Self-quarantining is, is working. So let's get out of fear mode. Let's get in a proactive determination mode. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Um, I'm going to talk about the basic levels of immunity. And there are six basic levels of immunity. And again, I am not a medical school doctor. I am not a doctor. Uh, But I have gone to medical school. And I'm going to give you my version of immunity. This is not the official version of immunity. So um, this is something that I'm teaching my daughter. I'm teaching uh, other children just how to basically understand our different levels of immunity so they can understand uh, where our cells are coming from and how our bodies are reacting to our environment. Okay, so I'm talking to you as if I'm talking to my five-year-old. So our first basic level of immunity is our belief system. And we know that our belief system is is, uh, counteracted by this thing called placebo and nocebo effect. And... You know, by all accounts, a lot of, of sugar pills are given to people and people get better. And a lot of people, a lot of sugar pills are given to people and peer, people start experiencing symptoms that aren't supposed to be experiencing because they're experiencing the belief that that sugar pill is going to give them bad uh, side effects, okay? So when you're given a sugar pill and your belief system is so strong that this is going to heal me, that's called the placebo effect. But when you're giving the sugar pill and you're saying, oh, I'm experiencing this cough and, and I'm experiencing this fever and it's giving me side effects, that's, ex- that's called a nocebo effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The power of belief system. That's our first level of first line of defense, right? The sec- uh, and, and again, um, we want to ask people, are you fear-based or are you determined? You know. And right now I'm asking people, like even if you're fear-based, Let's own that. 
just own the fact that you are fear-based and and just take it in know that you're fear-based face that face your fear and just keep going you know in uh the definition of courage for our soldiers going into wars and i'm not a big proponent of wars but the definition of courage is not having fear it's having fear and moving through it that's courage you always have fear you ask any soldier you know they're scared to death about uh, going in there you know they're not they're not like absence of fear they're just going through it and we can do this too yeah so our second physical barrier social distancing and our skin mouth and um, digestive acids yeah, in our in our stomach and our digestive tract okay so now we have these natural barriers to prevent um, bacterias and and viruses and fungi now the first part is 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 hygiene obviously so we just got this concept called social distancing it's it's a brand new concept <laughs> okay so uh so i guess you know if, if we can't um, spit on each other and breathe on each other <laughs> hug each other <laughs> hug each other that's a good thing but you know honestly without social interaction our, our immune system goes down. If we spend life in social isolation, our immune system goes down. So it's very, very important that we keep socially interacting. And as soon as possible, as soon as this quarantine lifts, let's, let's do a lot of hugging, okay? But physically, our body's first level, our second level of immunity is our physical barriers. We have skin for a reason. Right, because things aren't going to go into our skin. We have our nose and our our larynx and our stomach um, and our digestive system and out to our intestines for a reason. Is because we're like a donut. You know, believe it or not, our mouths, our our pharynx, our stomach, um, all the way down through our digestive tract, all the way down to our anus and rectum is still the external environment. You know, there's a barrier, there's a physical barrier between that external environment that our body says, no, we want the bouncers of our system to prevent the things that, um, that we don't know and we don't know about to clear our bouncers. And our bouncers is, is the epithelial layers between our mouth and our digestive system. You know, we've got these stomach acids that's literally meant to burn, Right. Things aren't meant to go into our bodies without going through these skin barriers. Things aren't meant to be injected into our bodies. If God meant us to have injections, he would have made organic syringes. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. So every time we get injected with something, we're, we are actually bypassing the natural barriers that God meant us to have. The next barrier is the nutrition and environment. Are, are we getting nutritious food? Are we getting up, empty toxic food? And what are we doing about EMF hygiene? Okay, this is, this is really important. In order for us to have a strong immunity, we have to have real food. I mean, real food. You know, what's happening right now, the foods that we're getting, they're, they're being grown in, in such a way that we're finding out that the corn that we used to eat they used to have 30% of the corn used to be protein. It used to be part of the kernel. Now it's less than 5% of the corn is actually protein. The less is empty starch sugar. And um, they're, they're very empty of, of vitamins. They're empty 
of all the nutritious things that corn had even 30, 40 years ago. So um, a lot of the, the big corporations that, that are uh, coming out with foods that are less than a dollar, they have to get that food from somewhere. So these, these foods are, are, are quickly grown, they're grown with the cheapest of material, and they're grown um, with a lot of pesticides and herbicides. And so the plants that grow under those conditions, the animals that grow under these conditions, you know, they're just grown to, to look like food, but they don't really have food. You know, so we really need to eat food. Uh, and then toxins in food. Um, believe it or not, there are a lot of toxins in food. There's a lot of pesticides and herbicides, even in organic food. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pesticides and uh, things like that in food. You know, when we were living in Hawaii, uh, we were getting tested uh, for a particular toxin, and everything had the toxin um, that in, in Hawaii. And, um, you know, the only way to get the, the, the pesticides and the toxins of the food out, even the organic foods, the foods that we had in farmer's markets was to start rinsing this food in, in ozonated water. And I'll show you how to do that. So um, my, my feeling is, is A, get as organic or farmer's market food as much as possible. Uh, get uh, foods that are non-GMO as much as possible. And then once you get fresh food, uh, wash them in ozonated water. And I'll show you how to do that. Yeah, you big on you've been big on that practice for a long time, long before this uh, flu bug, this flu yeah. virus came around. Will kill all viruses, including the coronavirus. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the second part of nutrition is uh, EMF. Okay. So I I've been a big proponent of studying longevity, and one of the biggest markers for longevity is called phase angle, and we've got these machines that measure the phase angle. And what, what phase angles do, it measures the, the bounciness of each cell. And the bounciness of each cell is your cellular membranes. And there are two things that uh, make a cell very rigid and bouncy. And the bouncier the cell is, when you put an electrical signal on, this, uh, on, a, on a cell, it's going to bounce. And the higher the bounce is the higher the phase angle. And what we're finding that in the 70s, they were bouncing at about a, a level of seven. So they, they looked at people from 20s all the way up to their 70s, and they're bouncing at about a seven. And now what we're finding is that uh, we're lucky to get a bounce above a six oh. in the 2000s. And um, our foods are less nutritious, but... But what has drastically increased since the 70s is the amount of information and the amount of um, uh, EMF that we're receiving. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I did, I, interestingly, I watched this one video, and you can tell me what you think about this, that the EMF, that EMFs, and especially 5G, for example, as one, has a very direct effect on our oxygen-carrying capacity. And one of the things they were saying that was interesting was that um, the Princess Liner, uh, the first ship that came over, actually, that I believe that's the one that docked here in California, and then that's what started spreading it in California, that they had the most sophisticated 5G, most saturated, sophisticated 5G system on board of 
any shipping line ever as these people were becoming infected with this virus. They think it may have caused a much greater uh, amount of damage in terms of the, the people's body's response to the virus. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I can't give you any thoughts. I, I don't want to give you any opinions about how okay. 5G is related to coronavirus. But I will tell you that um, I've got a slide showing that uh, back in 2000, they noticed that uh, 5G's, uh, the 5G network has to be put out at a particular frequency, right? So the 4G networks are, are put out, let's say, at, at 30,000 right. gigahertz of energy. 5Gs are actually put out at 60 gigahertz. And right. In 2000, they said, oh my God, it's not coming out as strongly as, as uh, we think it should be coming out based on the amount of EMF power that we're putting out. What's going on? And you know what they found out? They found out that the oxygen in the air was absorbing 98% of all the EMF energy. Yeah. At 60 gigahertz. Wow. Yeah. Okay? This so, is serious. So what's happening is, is where's that EMF going? It's going into the oxygen molecule. It's going into the water molecules because water has oxygen. And when you breathe the air that has oxygen and when you drink the water that has oxygen, what are you getting besides the oxygen? My thoughts are you're also getting the effects of that EMF energy. So, you know, and, and studies have repeatedly show that increasing amounts of EMF decrease the immunity. So make of it as you will. Absolutely. And people can do things at home. They can, you know, shut the system down, shut the routers down, do what they can. It's more difficult when you're in saturated housing environments like apartment buildings because it passes through. And then one of the things that as far as technology goes, I don't know if you know Clayton and Jeff and the fluffy FLFE guys, Focus Life Force Energy, but that particular frequency, they've done tests on it now, and that seems to ameliorate a lot of the EMF energy in the home. So that's another great way to go and i think there are other people starting to come out with new technologies doing this as well but it's worth checking into because our beings are being exhausted our cells seem seem we seem to be going through a new level of exhaustion as um, societies around the world and i really think it does have to do with these the bombardment of these frequencies 24 7 and then living with cell phones right here yes absolutely i mean Put your cell phones on airplane mode as much as you can. Um, you know, my cell phone here, I've, I've got this uh, covering. Yeah. Sleeve, right? What's it called again? It's called a safe sleeve. It looks yeah. like this. Um, let me see if I can. It's just radiation protective. Here's the, yeah. the thing. It's called safesleeve.com. Okay, so EMF. Turn your Wi-Fi off at night. Um, cover yourself with EMF blankets. You can go to lessemf.com and to look at, they even got EMF paints that you can paint your bedroom with. Or, or they've got like this covering that you can cover your, your bedroom with. You can go to earthing, get earthing devices and ground yourself, okay? So if you got dirt around your house, just walk in the dirt and just literally ground yourself. And we're finding that, you know, my, my discussion on phase angle, we're finding that if you can ameliorate your EMF, if you can hydrate yourself better, and if you can take um, foods that are high in this one substance called fulvic acids, 
Fulvic acids, yes. Fulvic acids, right? Fulvic acids are high in negative and positively charged ions. We have this um, um, uh, probiotic called our active detox probiotic. Where we actually have fermented um, fulvic acids from around the world, different types of fulvic acids. Um, I found that uh, my phase angle just by uh, doing the earthing, drinking a lot of this hyperoxygenated water from a company called Ophora.com and taking this active detox probiotic has actually increased my phase angle like one whole point. It, it went back from like a 5.7 to a 6.7, which is unheard of. So I'm ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, you would be. Well, you are the picture of health. <laughs> Well, we're, we're actually going to be demonstrating this at the, the biohacking conference, at the Bulletproof conference. Um, it was supposed to be in two weeks, but it's been delayed now. Yeah, they've all been canceled. I'm speaking at a few events, too, and they've all been canceled. Yeah. So if, if you want to see me live, um, you know, spend the $1,500 to go to this Bulletproof conference. <laughs> or watch it here. <laughs> yeah, or watch it here. <laughs> yeah, David okay. Asprey will, will thank you. <laughs> so, um, all right. No, I, yeah, I think that's important because we've just talked about the fact that good health has to do with the effective uptake of oxygen in our cells. And if that's being disturbed by these frequencies, we have to do what we can to knock that off. Right. And uh, what we need to do to increase the availability of oxygen, especially to our mitochondria, yeah. which is a bacteria, by the way, it's a microbe. So, to, to be able to increase the viability of that, that's the whole purpose of all the products that we're creating at, a, at Ascended Health. So number four, the fourth level of immunity is called our microbiome. And, and believe it or not, uh, this to me is our major level of immunity. Actually, really our major level of immunity is our, immune, is our, uh, our belief system. I stand corrected. Whatever we believe, everything is going to go. But the bacteria comprising 90% of the cells, they tell us what our cravings are. So whatever their cravings are, they're also telling us what to believe in. So if you have the, you have the bacteria of fear, shit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Eat some bacteria that uh, is, uh, could be you know, highly determined. And, and basically when we ferment the bacteria, in our lab, we're actually fermenting them with positive aspirations. And we're putting in like these 432 frequencies, these 528 frequencies. And so they're very happy bacteria. And also we're sourcing our bacteria for long, from longevity zones. We're sourcing bacteria from Okinawa, Japan, from Ikaria, Greece, from the Nakoya Peninsula, um, uh, from different areas of the world where people are happy um, and also people live a long time. So. And are these fermented? Because in my last show with you, you were really getting underway with the fermentation of some of these? Yes. They're fermented because now we're finding out that, you know, all of a sudden we can't count on modern conveniences to, uh, to do these things. You know, for example, um, uh, I'm going to talk about vaccines. Well, all vaccines need to be refrigerated, right? So what if we can have a vaccine that doesn't have to be refrigerated? And I'll, I'll talk about that. So we're going to come into a situation where food, we're going to have to throw food out because there, come, there could be a possibility that our electricity gets shut down. Who knows, right? So we need to think about food and how we make foods a different way. And I think it's my social responsibility to start telling people how to create 
these fermented foods and dehydrate them in a way so you can you can have them for you know uh, these these situations such as this. But for now, I'm kind of proving it with the foods that we're creating and, and the products that we're creating at us. Now, are these used as a tincture, as a, as a supplement, these longevity zone fermented um, herbs and foods? Yes, they are being used as a tincture, as a supplement. But what I'm going to teach people is that the secret is that you, we're going to make them in highly concentrated form. So the secret is I'm going to teach people how to make a yogurt. You know, uh, we're plant-based here at Ascended Health, so I'm going to teach people how to make plant-based yogurts. But you put these tinctures in the form of uh, the tinctures that will have a, um, sugar in the form of a honey <clears throat> called a master honey, um, and you just put it inside these uh, milk-based yogurts, uh, milk-based, uh, uh, you're squeezing milk from these nuts, and boom, you're going to have a yogurt in like two to three days, and those bacteria will be really healthy. They'll be an exponential phase, plus you're going to have these tinctures, and it'll be like, depending on the tincture you'll get, it'll be like a beer. <laughs> so That sounds lovely. That's great. You know, these things are fantastic. It's going to make you feel fantastic. Okay, good. Well, we've got that coming up. So what's next on the agenda here? Well, I just want to tell you about what's nutritious about these, these tinctures. Okay. So people talk about <clears throat> building a healthy microbiome from the point of view of the actual probiotic, from the point of view of having the actual microbes. And uh, which is true, you know, you have to have a lot of really healthy microbes in your microbiome. And then they talk about the foods that microbes eat, which are called the prebiotic. Yeah. So in our tinctures, we're including a lot of prebiotics, foods. So when it gets into your belly, the, the microbes have a lot of things to eat. So these prebiotics are like, a lot of it is like inulin, not insulin, inulin from, mm -hmm. our, inulin from chicory. Uh, but but any like vegetable starch will do. Like if you if you mash um, avocados, if you mash uh, uh, mangoes, if you mash grapefruit, pectins, and apples, those are all forms of prebiotics that you can we, you can put in. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. Most important thing, more than a probiotic, more than a prebiotic, is actually the postbiotics. That's the most important ingredient in a fermented food. So these postbiotics are called small chain fatty acids. And small chain fatty acids are the most famous one is acidic acid, which we now know as vinegar. So when wine goes bad, wine is a mixture of these small chain fatty acids and ethanol, right? We don't want very much of it or else the ethanol is going to go away and we're going to get this super buttery taste or worse yet, we're going to get this vinegary taste. But believe it or not, it's that vinegar, that acidic acid, it is very, very healthy for you. And that's why apple cider vinegar um, is very healthy for us. But that's just one small chain fatty acid. You know, in our gut, we're making thousands, thousands. Okay, we got butyric acid, we got propionic acid, we got 
acidic acid, we've got valic acid. When they did this, the China study, for example, when they studied uh, plant-based diets in people, they're finding that people with plant-based diets had high amounts of this um, valeric acid or valic acid. Um, and they're finding out that the reason why uh, they're eating less and they've got a change in their microbiome is because of the plants that they're eating. It's changing their small chain fatty acid complex from a meat eater to a plant eater and they're getting healthier. They actually got a lot thinner eating these plant-based foods. Mm -hmm. So small chain fatty acids are very important. So we're using a lot of microbes that are creating a diversity of these small chain fatty acids. The second thing that uh, microbes make is they actually make their own natural antibiotics. Okay. So yeah. when bacteria make antibiotics against another bacteria, they're called bacteriosins. And believe it or not, bacteria want their, their gut all to themselves. They don't want any fungus, even though funguses live there. And they especially don't want viruses because viruses attack them. So they actually make antibiotics against fungus. It's called fungicins. And they make antibiotics against viruses called virusins. I will teach people how to make your natural antibiotics through these tinctures that we have. And, and I've learned it all by making these, these pro-live probiotics and pro-live, uh, I mean, the active detox um, probiotics. I've measured, we've measured the bacteriocin levels and the fungicin levels in the pro-live probiotic, and uh, they're appreciably higher than any other probiotic out there on, in the market. In fact, I think they're the only ones out there that have these natural bacteria and fungicin levels. So if we take that and, and we make our own yogurts out of it, people will start to make their own bacteria and, and fungicins and viruses. I love it. Low-tech, natural, overall improvement in health um, and a, something that could potentially reduce or eliminate viruses in the guts, right? Yes. Perfect. So my only request is I'm going to be open sourcing all of this my only request is that everybody share their data. And somehow, some way, we're going to have some sort of open source forum where we can create what's called um, outcome studies. Okay, modern medicine, hospitals, pharmaceutical companies, they validate the efficacy of their drugs through outcome studies. And we'll do the same thing. You know, when I was at IBM, I, I cut my teeth creating outcome studies for Johnson & Johnson, for Merck, for Eli Lilly and uh, Pfizer, and we, we were looking at the efficacy of their pharmaceuticals after six months and finding out who exactly these different pharmaceuticals were working best for. Were they working best for women, for young kids, or older adults, or women that were Hispanic, women that were white? And now, you know, because of um, psychometrics, I want to find people that are fear-based or people that are goal-oriented, people that are um, that uh, have a high convincer strategy, like people that are really skeptical versus people that are really open-minded and are willing to believe anything, you know, like you and I. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are perfecting poster children for... Exactly. You see it on Facebook, it's got to be true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I've learned to have a convincer strategy of, look, I've got to have two or three different solid pieces of credible information. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, credible news sources before I'll believe Facebook now. So, yeah. so you know, you, I'm going to create a database 
that that will take people's um, uh, how people react to this yogurt and these products that we make that they make and say, hey, how did it work for you? Right. So someone based on the psycho based based on psychometrics exactly right so if someone is fear-based this particular product may not work for them but if someone is like hey i'm i'm a big believer in um you know in everything and and i got including yogurt (laughs) i've got the placebo effect going for me all the time (laughs) this product will work for you right so in this way we can all get together as a community and we can be in that situation where no product is better than another product. I don't want to say that Ascended Health products are best because it's not true. There's going to be a product for you that's better for you because you're at a different phase in your life. You're in a different phase in your health projects and you're in a different phase in your emotional status, right? For someone out there, a Twinkie is going to be great for that. For most people, no, right? For someone out there, like McDonald's food is going to be great for them, but we can prove it through outcome study. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But then again, that has to do with your own patterns of belief, your own patterns of, of comfort. So exactly. yeah. that gets us back to what we touched on a little bit ago, the notion of vaccines, because the information out there, I listened to one video with Dr. William Wong. Uh, Dr. Wong was saying, they've already got the vaccines for this, especially if it was engineered in a lab. They don't do that without having the fix for it. But in any event, you and I talked just very briefly, vaccines are not created equal. And my strong hit is, like you said, don't cross that barrier. The skin and these internal tracts are for a reason. And you were saying, it is not good thinking to cross that barrier. And I, I am obviously, I know there are times, I've had so many because I traveled all over Southeast Asia in the 70s and I had to have everything, okay, got through it. But by and large, I'm not really down with uh, what what are looking like COVID and uh, flu vaccines at all. So now when we're just talking privately, you were saying that um, some of them are created, they're just biological and others are synthetic. What is the difference between those? And what what do you think is going to roll out here in response to um, governments, uh, either mandating or suggesting uh, vaccines, of course, this is going to profit the, the pharmaceutical industry hugely. So kind of what's your general thought on it? Well, there is, you know, the, the bad news about vaccines now is there are no vaccines for the COVID virus. Yeah. Good news for, for those that believe in vaccines is vaccines are coming out. And uh, there's one actually in a phase three clinical trial now from a company called Moderna. And they just started uh, the first trial, a human trial, yesterday. And it's is this someone? Is this the one happening in California? In Seattle. It's in Seattle because they're talking about experimenting with one in California, where they're going to use healthy people in their forties, but that it did not contain any of the virus. It was a completely no, that different. A That's a therapeutic. There's a, there's a difference, and I'm going to talk about that. In terms of your question, let's just. Let's just say, I'm going to talk about vaccines, but let's just say there's two types of vaccines being produced now. The regular tried and true vaccine is they actually take the, the virus that's produced by nature and they, they kill that virus, they attenuate that virus. 
And it started out with the, the original polio virus. So they heat inactivated that virus, but they found out when they injected that heat inactivated virus in the body, um, it still had an effect because the body still reacted to that virus because it recognized it as a foreign thing, right? So, but that virus was still made by mother nature from out for universal source. So of the seven companies that I'm going to talk about creating vaccines, six of them are creating these biological vaccines. So they're taking, they're taking things found in nature and, and they're inactivating it and they're modifying it somehow and they're going to inject it back into the human being. Okay. But the then seven, you have to get into, just get a little bit into the things, the constituents they put in with it, which are often the toxic parts, with it, whether it's a stabilizer. They're called adjuvants, you know, yeah. because, um, you know, because actually when you inject someone with something, the body is so efficient that it's not going to have like a, an immediate response unless you're hypersensitive to it. So they have to inject these, these things called adjuvants into vaccines to make your body react more. Do they have healthier ones these days? Are there some that are not? That's a, that's a good question because you don't really know the long-term effects of adjuvants, you know? So um, there's a theory out now, and again, this is not my opinion. I'm just giving you a theory that's out there that the reason why people are experiencing uh, these autoimmune disorders 20 years after they've gotten these vaccines is because of the adjuvants that become latent in their system and they've been deposited in the fat cells. And they're just, you know, when, when people are starting to detoxify or they're losing weight, these adjuvants are coming out. Again, that's a theory. I, you know, it's interesting because um, that, that would be the timeline. It was a roughly a decade, a couple of years more than that after I had this onslaught of all these vaccines for all these tropical diseases around the world that I started having kind of chronic immune system problems and I'd never linked it to that. Um, but, and, and I sat under a microwave dish in a newsroom uh, for those years, literally, it was right above our head. So between those two things, it really tanked my immune system. You know, it's, I have to deal with it. There are ways to get your immune system back up. Mm -hmm. you know, get these adjuvants into the system. Um, there are ways to detoxify yourself. We can give ourselves an oil change because these adjuvants are deposited in the fat cells of the body. But you know what contains the most fat in the body? Our cellular membranes. Every single cell is like 90% fat. Interesting. So how do, we, how do we dump these things from our body? You got to do an oil change. No one ever talks about doing an oil change. Well, how do you do an oil change? We have to lose weight, number one. So your body has to burn fat. So the whole paleo thing, the whole Wim Hof thing, the whole intermittent fasting thing, we got to do this. So, you know, we have to lose the weight, number one. So the body burns the fat that our weight is being, all these carbohydrates are being transferred into fat. Dumping fat. I've never heard this before. This is, okay, interesting. As we lose the weight, we have to refill the fat that comes in because our body's going to create fat. We have to refill the fat with clean fat that our cell membranes can use. And the cleanest fat is called phosphatidylcholine, PC. PC, and it comes, yeah. comes from lecithin. Soy, soy lecithin, we use sunflower lecithin. But we'll talk about that another time. We'll yeah. Talk. 
uh, detoxification therapies. Okay. And, and do this. I, this guy got that's espousing this. He got a Nobel Prize for this. Wow. Okay. For talking about cellular membranes, and and he is now saying, look, we can we can do this kind of like conveyor belt system where we're ingesting like has healthy phosphatidylcholine through liposomes, liposomal technology. Again, this is something that we're producing. We're producing right. like these liposomes where we're producing healthy fat for the body and depositing healthy fat in our cells. Another talk for another time, but it's building healthy cells. Okay, so continuing on the vaccine talk, uh, talk here, you're saying that most of them are doing biological vaccines. The... Uh, Carriers that are going to shock our system, adjuvants are varying in quality, uh, in composition. Right. So, you know, these, these pharmaceutical companies, they obviously, you know, want to do the best job that they can. They have very, very competent scientists working for them. They don't have an agenda. It's not a conspiracy theory. Trust me. You know, but they what want about to- for profit? There, I was reading about their projections between 2020 and 2025, which is fivefold. I mean, as a former scientist, I can tell you right now, I wasn't doing things for profit, I was doing things to write papers. But that's you, that's not the CEO of these companies, whom I don't yeah, particularly trust, and, and the shareholders of the company exactly. People that are doing the work, you know, <laughs> doctors and the PhDs. You know the, the ones that are doing the work. They want to. They have children too. You know. Yeah. They want to save the world too. Yeah, the doctors do. I agree. And the, in their belief system, these vaccines are saving the world, and more power to them. You know. So. What um, about when? There's going to be a point where vaccines um, are going to be really safe. It's just not to that point right now, but there will be a point where that's that's going to happen. But there's so, also going to be a point where the six basic levels of, of immunity that I'm espousing, you know, there are going to be more and more people focused on, on one, two, three, four, and five. Right. right. Some people are only focused on six. The fifth level of um, immunity is our cellular immune system. And our sixth level of immunity is called the humoral immune system. This is... This is actually the immune system I learned when I was in medical school back in the 80s. We still had the term cellular immune system. We still had the term humoralist immune system. And for the sake of simplicity, it's not called that anymore, but it's for the sake of simplicity. I'm, I'm, I'm giving this to my daughter. I'm actually writing and creating like a cartoon for my daughter with characters that represent um, these things from different islands. Uh, and, and this cartoon has this little girl rowing your boat to these different islands. And the fifth island is called your cellular immune system. And they contain these characters called white blood cells. Okay, macrophages, neutrophils, and eosinophils. So the fifth level is actually a strong level. And they do the work that, the, uh, that when our microbes are overloaded, and frequently they are, they start doing the work for the human cells. The microbes are only really concerned for themselves. And secondarily, they're concerned about their host, the human beings. So their bactericins, fungicins, small chain fatty acids are really there to regulate themselves and and a little bit the the human, right? So when the human being takes over, the actual human cells are called white blood cells. And these white blood cells comprise what used to be known as cellular 
immune system. I don't know whether it's called that anymore, but there are several types of white blood cells, and let's divide it into two groups. The groups that do the everyday grunt works, like the infantry, and then we'll call the special forces, the T cells are called the special forces. Those are uh, the spies and, and they're the Navy SEALs and things like that. So the infantry are the macrophages, the neutrophils, the eosinophils. There's, there's a lot more than that, but those are the three main ones. Every time we experience something going into our body that's not supposed to be there, these vacuum cleaners called macrophages go in there and, and clean up. Okay, when um, <clears throat> the reason why we have these physical barriers is because these physical barriers prevent um, as much foreign substances from entering our body so as not to overwhelm the macrophages, the neutrophils, and the eosinophils. But once we puncture the skin and we, we put these foreign substances in our body in the form of adjuvants and everything, my belief system is that it overwhelms the macrophages. And, you know, by the age of three, we're getting, these children are getting like 69 punctures mm. for skin. So it may be that uh, it's a little bit overwhelming. And, and the case there, again, is to be able to increase the, the nutritional value of food, increase the detoxification of the body, you know, and I, I'm saying that it's fine to get these vaccines, but let's also pay attention to how the body gets rid of the foreign substances and let's, let's help the body increase its, its cellular immune system. Okay, yeah. what happens when we're looking at synthetic vaccines? We'll talk about synthetic vaccines in a little bit. So let's, uh, let me continue with the T cells of the cellular immune system. So once um, the vacuum cleaners and the lysozymes are killed off, these, these um, microbes um, still stay in the body. They're able to last, like some bacteria are able to last the, the macrophages and evade the macrophages. And a lot of viruses are um, able to evade uh, the macrophages because they're hiding. So what the T cells do is they, some of these T cells look at these cells and if they're infected we have these t cells called natural killer cells nk cells and and they will tag that cells for death so they'll tag it and these other cells will come in and they will actually kill that cell it's called autophagy they will naturally kill a cell uh, for the for the better good of humankind for the body kind but they also produce these um uh these uh um substances in the body called cytokines. So kinds are a natural way uh, for the medical system to say that this is something that belongs into a body. This is a substance that's used as the body. It's kind of like a, a signaling information. It's a piece of information, a kind, a cytokine. So uh, for example, a Brady kind is a signaling molecule that that triggers the, the body to lower its heart rate so every time you have a bradykine in your heart rate lowers but when you have a cytokine in you have an information molecule that uh, um, belongs in the cytoplasm and does something so they're pieces of information so now believe it or not 
plants have these pieces of information. Bacteria produces these pieces of information. So when we're actually taking probiotics, we're actually taking plants extracted in a certain way, we're actually taking in pieces of information. So I've come up with a term called the longevokine. And a longevokine is a piece of information that allows your body to live a long time. So it triggers a whole bunch of sequences to say, hey, this is a longevity-producing um, domino effect. So that's what a longevokine is, is doing. And, and basically what I'm going to present to you is a whole bunch of longevokines we've identified. So with T-cells, a specific type of cytokine is called an interferon. And for viruses, this is very important. So uh, the interferon we got alpha, beta, and gamma interferons that are being used in, in therapy. They're being um, uh, used with uh, different types of therapeutics to counteract the coronavirus as a therapeutic. And I'll go into that. Okay? okay. So the final thing, I won't go back to the slide, but the final thing is called our humoral immune system. So once we go through the belief system, number one, our physical barriers, number two, once uh, our nutrition is, is so inadequate that our bodies aren't strong enough to, to go against these viruses, and once our microbiome gets compromised, and then once our T cells and our cellular immune system gets compromised, there's that room in the back of our body that has this little, um, that has a little glass that says, break in case of emergency, okay? Breaking cases of emergency means that they only want you to use this thing if and only when you really need it because you can't use it that much. And that's called our antibody system. That's our white blood cell system. That's when the white blood cells see the trapped viruses and they're creating antibodies to it. And antibodies are basically road barriers, they're roadblocks. And so when, when something, when the police throw like these nails out on the road, and they stop a car in its tracks, those are antibodies. So antibodies don't actually kill viruses, they actually trap antibodies, and uh, they trap the viruses to the point where the macrophages and the white blood cells can clear them out of the way. Okay, now where do we go from here? Because I'm still gonna pest you, I wanna find out what happens with those, <laughs> I wanna happens with, I know what happens with those synthetic vac vaccines since I'm a, a person who has issues there. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, so let me keep going. So once we get past the basic levels of humidity, mm -hmm. when we're talking about flattening the curve, we're talking about number two. Yeah. Okay. Self-quarantine and uh, being responsible with yourself, covering your mouth, you know, uh, staying inside, especially if you're sick. So what I'm talking about is eliminating the curve. So let's, let's be determined and let's go after nutrition, find out how we can get nutritious foods. Number four, let's, let's create microbiome-friendly foods with a lot of small-chain fatty acids and, and foods that increase our white blood cells and T-cells, uh, but also foods that increase our red blood cells and, and, um, and our B-cells, which is where our humoral systems comes in. And to do those, we need to do three things. I'm going to talk about devices that do this. And number two, I'm talking about supplementation. And number three, fermentation. Okay. Okay. Let's go for it. Okay. So um, <clears throat> just as a general overview, the two approaches for, uh, that we're talking about are both offensive and defensive. 
And so I just happen to like team sports, football and basketball. There's always an offense and a defense. Um, so offensive teams are always looking to put points or basically looking to seek and eliminate. They, they target what they want to target and they eliminate it. And, and uh, basically our um, general approach there are general devices that I'm going to talk about, medical ozone and electricity, and then there are targeted approaches. Now, the targeted approaches is where our pharmaceutical companies are. They've got targeted vaccines, they've got antivirals, and, and other therapies. But um, what I, I want people to build upon, on and, and what I'll touch on a little bit, is called our defensive approaches, and that's prevention. That's to build our levels of natural immunity. Number one, being real nutrition. Number two, building a diverse microbiome. Number three, creating natural supplements to activate our cellular and humoral immune system. Number four, belief system, having a purpose in life. Number five, social interaction when it's possible. And number, number six, EMF protection. So from there, um, we're gonna talk about uh, the first device. And, and this device is actually something that I've been using for a long time. Uh, and these two devices uh, are no, by no means the only devices out there to protect ourselves against the coronavirus devices. But because this is the talk that I'm giving, I'm giving this from my own personal experience. And I'm a device fanatic. I spent hundreds and thousands of dollars on devices. And the devices that I would carry with me everywhere I go are two devices. It's a medical ozone uh, generator and this electrical device called the Neopulsar. In fact, this electrical Neopulsar device I carry with me everywhere I go, especially when I go overseas. And I've, I've seen it time and time again, protect people against um, um, any viral outbreak and it's protected them. In fact, uh, 10 years ago, my nephew went to China with his high school. And uh, he and a buddy of his had this electrical device, and they were the only ones not affected by the bird flu at that time by having this. Quick question. Is this kind of like a much more sophisticated version of the bug box, uh, Helga Budwig's original bug box that uses yeah. frequency? Yeah. Those are it's great. Just, this, is, this is actually so sophisticated, it's very simple. Yeah. But it's super effective. Okay. And what is it called again? Called an electrical neopulsor. Okay. And it's worth its weight in gold. We don't have very much of it left uh, because uh, a lot of our customers have been uh, buying out of it, but uh, we probably maybe have 100 devices of it left, if that. So um, first come, first serve, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, so the first thing I'll talk about is medical ozone. And these are proactive measures to eliminate the curve. Okay, so medical ozone, and, and with each therapy, I'm gonna bore you, I'm gonna talk about the pros and cons, but I'll, I'll move through this rather quickly. And again, all this stuff will be ready, readily available for download. So the pros of medical ozone is that it's proven to inactivate, inactivate virus on contact and it's relatively inexpensive. Relatively, I know that there's a lot of people out there that don't have enough food to eat. And, and, I, uh, 
and I really uh, appreciate that, and I, and I honor you deeply. But uh, when it comes to healthcare costs, um, people are spending ten thousand, tens and thousands of dollars on their healthcare, and these mobile devices are in the hundreds of dollars. You know, I'm talking about five hundred dollars. So when I say relatively inexpensive, I know a lot of people that can't afford five hundred dollars, and I'm really sorry about that. But compared to the thousands of dollars one would pay in terms of keeping going back to the doctor and back again and, and buying uh, these things that just aren't effective, medical ozone is relatively inexpensive. The cons of ozone is that uh, the ozone gas is pretty noxious to breathe in. And every time you use an ozone um, machine, uh, you know, you're going to breathe it in and you're going to have noxious fumes. Um, too much of it can actually harm the body. And in some people, you have to take note of this, ozone can actually speed up the, process, um, the progression of some degenerative diseases. So you got to talk to your medical professional about the, whether or not ozone is right. Isn't there a way to protect yourself from uh, breathing in the noxious gas? And, and the way that I'm going to pre um, present it to you is that this, uh, the ozone that comes out is, is, is actually going to be inactivated and you use fans. So there's lots of ways to do it. So okay. if you're high and dry, I just want you to, to know yeah. it's not oxygen, okay? So um, ways ozone is being used right now is ozonated water is, is, is very cleansing. And, um, you know, one thing that people are doing is they're, they're spraying things down with alcohol, but they're also spraying things down with bleach, and bleach is very bad for the immune system, spraying things down with bleach. It's horrible. Or ozonated water is not. And if you can ozonate water, that ozone in the water stays for about 15 minutes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so the, after you ozonate it, it's, it keeps that ozonated charge, right? It'll, it'll keep that ozonated charge for at most uh, 15 minutes, but, but after five minutes, dump it out and put new ozonated water and start spraying your money. And you can actually ozonate water and put all your money in the water. You get all the viruses out, put all your coins, your money, it'll dry out, you know? So just spray, um, you know, you take a hair dryer and you, and you dry it out and it'll be fine. And your fruits and vet, obviously your fruits and vegetables. That's a must. Yeah. Do this every single time, even when it comes from farmer's market. Um, yeah, especially now. Yeah. Yeah. So you ozonate your fruits and vegetables. And I would ozonate our credit cards. So I ozonate our credit cards and I wipe down our wallets. You wipe down anything that money touches. Anytime it goes through a money machine, wipe it down with ozone, ozonated water. I need, uh, I need to get one of those. <laughs> I haven't purchased it yet. Okay. So another, another machine. Um, you know, I offered to, to give you one. <laughs> I know we got out of communication at that time. Because I have an extra one. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Okay. We'll chat later. Okay, go ahead. But uh, I already gave that one away. Yeah, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and by the way, just for everyone knowledge, Regina, I don't pay Regina anything for this. She's, she's always done this for the good of my heart. I've, I've never paid her anything for these interviews. So. Yeah, no, of course not. Everybody just loves you. So I like exposing you to the audience because the people that watch my stuff love you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for supporting us and supporting for Senate Health. 
So another thing that uh, people are doing now is they're giving their houses 15-minute ozone shock treatments. And this is not a water ozonator. This is actual a room ozonator. This is relatively inexpensive. Um, I talked to the owner of the, of the company I'm going to forward you to, and he's gladly given me a 10% discount if you put a Senate Health in, into the notes. He'll refund you 10%. And uh, you can get the shock treatment. You can get the water ozonator for 10% off from foreverozone.com. And when you, when you shock treat a room with, with ozone for 15 minutes, um, it literally kills all the viruses in that room everywhere. It'll kill all your uh, bed bugs. It'll kill all the, uh, you know, you put it in a closet, it kills all the moths in a closet. So it's, it's a great thing. Yeah. Okay. From our own EPA, there's a study that says that ozone is a very strong oxidant and virucide right there. It says that it kills viruses. Not, not just any viruses, it kills all viruses on contact. Ozone therapy uh, in PubMed, they say that diseases treated by ozone therapy are infected wounds. You can clean mm -hmm. with an ozonated water, circulatory disorders, geriatric conditions. This is if you drink the water. You can actually put ozonation in your eyes, ozonated water in your eyes. You clear macular degeneration. There it is, viral diseases, arthritis, cancer, SARS, which is a coronavirus, and HIV, which is very closely related to coronavirus, ozone gas. So uh, this one study talked about the inactivation for influenza virus by ozone gas. And again, these studies, look at this, back in 2009. Mm -hmm. the, the other studies, 2011. So this is not new. This is 2009, saying that's inactivating influenza virus. Mm -hmm. so if, if Without the ozone, the, the virus remained active after 10 hours under similar conditions, but with less than 20 parts per million of ozone gas, it kills 99.999 percentage of the influenza virus. So ozone shock treatment is amazing to a room. Thank you. And, and I'm gonna show you how to do shock treatment to your body through the ears, okay? Uh, what's interesting about the coronavirus is that the coronavirus is very similar to the, the HIV virus and the Ebola virus. Okay, so this is, um, this is one study that I'm showing you. Really important. The, the next study is just one study that I'm showing you. It's not a series of studies. It's not a clinical trial. This is what I call an anecdotal study. So just take it with a grain of salt. Okay, and these are doctors just trying to do their best and report something that they saw, but this has not gone through a clinical trial. Okay, grain of salt time. <clears throat> this is uh, a medical ozone. In this study, several doctors who already love ozone therapy, therapy tried it out on four healthcare workers that had Ebola and three tested positive. So they infused it in their blood they infuse it in their rectums. I'm going to show you how to infuse it in your ear. And then they gave them ozonated water to drink. To infuse ozone into your blood, you have to go to a proper naturopath or a proper medical doctor that does what's called 10-pass ozone or 8-pass ozone. 
and you can infuse ozone into your blood. And I would highly, highly recommend that. So they infuse it into their blood. They, they, they put something up their rectum and they infuse uh, ozone gas in, in through um, um, their uh, colon and they gave them ozonated water to drink. And what happens was uh, usually it's the survival rate of healthcare workers infected with Ebola was 40%. And typically the death occurs within a week or less. But these guys were free of symptoms, inclusive of fever, generally by day three of treatment. Excellent. Right? Yeah, that's voracious. Yeah. Okay, so unlike other Ebola treatments, ozone therapy is inexpensive, costing $10 a day. Again, this is one thing, take it with a grain of salt. Okay, so how to use ozone devices. Okay, so I'm going to give you this company called foreverozone.com. They're out of San Diego. The guy's name is Mike. I've been using his devices to create my own customized ozone device. Uh, he's overwhelmed with orders, but if you mentioned ascendedhealth.com, he doesn't have to do this. He will give you a 10% refund code if you go to his site, foreverozone.com. Um, there are two ways to get a medical ozone oxygen ozonator and an oxygen concentrator. One, one way is just to get the ozonator itself. So this is called a water ozonator. This is kind of a close-up. And what it does, it's, it's got plasma tubes in here. It creates ozone through plasma discharge, not corona discharge. It's a, it's a better way of creating ozone. But what happens is it, this ozone comes out through this little tube, this little bubbler, and it's meant to go inside water. So when you just take this tube and it's just coming from air, air only contains 21% oxygen, and you're getting like kind of dirty ozone coming out the other end. So to get actually clean ozone, you have to have the ozone um, having a source of oxygen that's nearly 100% oxygen. And so um, what I would recommend, if you can afford it, is to get uh, an ozonator with an oxygen concentrator. You see the oxygen concentrator on the right, and, it, and it, it literally triples, quadruples the cost of this system. So you can get one without the oxygen concentrator and get the ozone from air, and then you bubble ozone into water. But the good news is that when you bubble ozone through water, you can have a... Um, a water bubbler through another company called uh, DrOSolutions.com. I don't have a relationship with them, but what happens is, is you buy this $59 piece of equipment, you get your own additional ozonator, it bubbles ozone through, through gas, and then you can take the ozone coming out here. You can either take that ozone, and then you put that ozone into an ear unit, and you bubble that ozone into your ear. And what happens is that, let's say this unit is connected to this unit, and this unit is connected to the oxygen concentrator, you will have medical-grade ozone for less than $600 or $700, uh, and they're usually $3,500, $4,000 for these medical-grade ozone. This is a $600 system going into your ear, and you only need like five to 20 minutes worth of ozone going to your ear and you have ozone flooding into your body. Okay, so how does it end up penetrating and, and affecting our entire body by putting it in our ears? How's that work? Okay, so let's say you have your ozone device here. And again, um, the optimal way is to have a, 
uh, an oxygen concentrator connected to the ozone producing device, but that that ozone producing device goes into um, a mason jar that has water in it. Then you have another tube coming out and that tube is connected to that, uh, that uh, uh, ear thingy, right? So um, once you have it in the ear thingy, it goes into your ear like this. And the ozone just blows into your ear canal. And believe it or not, your ear canal is open to the air. That's why we have to blow our ears when we're into, into oxygen. And it goes right through your eardrum. And, and when it goes through your eardrum, it literally goes right straight into your brain. The ozone. Ah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So anyone with brain infections or, or anything. What about first, sinus infections and all? And mouth infections, right? If you do that through the ears? You do it through the ears. And the first thing that hits is, is the upper gums. So if, if, you, if you have like a root canal coming up, or if you have yeah. a gum, do this first. Yeah. Because the dentist, when, you know, um, the dentist, when they're doing ozonation through your gums, they're doing it from the outside, but you're doing this from the inside out. It's really effective. For cool. Okay. Very good. Oh, this thing so- is awesome. If you have the money, if you have the cash and you can get hold of one, you're tucking the whole system all in about $600. Um, other places are probably, there are well, other it's, more, it's a little more. But yeah. you're going to get a 10% discount from, okay. from Mike. Okay. You know, whether you buy like uh, the oxygen concentrator, without the oxygen concentration, it's only like two, like maybe $200. Okay, right. cool. Okay, yeah. now, so and let's. Concentrate, you're still getting ozone into the body. Yeah. And that water trap that you have, it traps all the, the nitrogen, the nitrous oxides that are really dangerous for your body, it just traps it in that water. Right? All right. What comes out is just pure ozone. So dump that water out. And, and when you're creating ozonated water, you just put that in a mason jar, you create ozonated water, or you just put it directly into your spray bottle. And that's how you start spray, spray down everything. Okay, so ozone. Now, what is the other device uh, after ozone? Just one more device. This is the shock treatment device. Mm -hmm. So it's a solid state device. And again, you get a 10% discount code. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so now we're going to talk about um, protective measures to eliminate the curve. We're going to talk about low voltage and low amperage electricity. Okay, so Again, what? like the bug box. Yep. I'm not sure what the bug box is. Oh, it's such a low-tech version of that, but it actually worked way back in the day in the 19... Oh, I think it was the 40s and 50s when she first created this little circuit box. In, you could put it in a cigar box or whatever that ran a 9-volt battery, low, low voltage, and went to little uh, wires that had copper handles. And you could eliminate viruses from the body. I mean, some people have the schematic and still make those little things. Not quite as sophisticated, I think, as what you're doing. But it, it worked. It worked. I used to have one. It actually okay. works. Yeah. Well, this Neopulsar actually looks really... Are ridiculously simple, and it, and it comes with real simple devices, but it's extremely, there's a lot of sophistication in the box, but it's couched to look like it was made by, like, a second grader. Okay. <laughs> like bug box. Yeah. <laughs> I had mine in a cigar box. <laughs> um, so, uh, so basically, with low voltage, low amperage electricity, um, 
people were finding out that, you know, uh, when you had snake bikes, if, if you connected yourself to um, basically the, the battery of a car or a battery of a, of, of a small bike or even plug yourself into the wall and, and you start electrocuting yourself, it would inactivate the snake venom. Yeah, but it was just too much, too much. So you think uh, <laughs> <laughs> your hair is fried. <laughs> exactly. So you know that the cons of using electricity is that it can actually burn your body, mm -hmm. electrocute you. Mm -hmm. Well, this device because it's so low. Yeah, uh, it's low electricity. It won't electrocute yeah. you. Yeah. No, I get these low voltage ones. Yeah. Skin. That's the only con to this. But the pros are, it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, there's no noxious fumes, um, and it's consistent. It, I, I can tell you that this Neopulsar is the one thing I will take with me more than, believe it or not, more than any of my products. I will take this thing if, if I have a viral. Um, well, it makes sense. She called it a bug zapper back then. But, I mean, it's a bug zapper, right? Yeah. And, it's, and it just zaps these, these bugs, but it doesn't zap the, the viruses themselves. What it does, it, it, it zaps them so they can't uh, replicate, basically, and then the body takes care of it. These researchers, uh, Dr. Lyman and, and Stephen Kelly, they worked at the Einstein School of Medicine. Um, they found that because of like this bug zapper, they got the idea of, hey, can we stick this bug zapper and can we put these electrodes actually inside the body. So they actually took these electrodes and they put it inside the arteries of a human body, someone with the AIDS virus, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they poked a hole into the artery and they applied a direct current uh, uh, into the artery, but really small microamphires. And they found that every single HIV particles was adversely affected, but the normal cells remained unharmed. Let me say that again. All of the HIV particles were adversely affected, meaning that they were killed. Mm -hmm. All the cells remained unharmed. Yeah, that's kind of the holy grail. So, so when they filed for a patent on this, in November 6, 1990, they got the patent number 5,139, number 684, on August 12, 1992, nine months later, after patenting. There's the patent. It's unheard of. Yeah. Right? So um, the weird... Because it has, essentially, it has no detrimental or side effects. It had no side effects. So something strange happened after they patented it. You know, they kind of went underground. They stopped talking about it. And to this day, if you ask any of these doctors uh, what's happening with their patent, they, they're not going to tell you what's what's going on so they would just refuse to, to okay so um this enterprising uh young scientist at the time his name is bob beck uh he looked at the device and he's he's like well that's a great device but i think i can make a better one uh, but not actually stick the electrodes inside the arteries so he came up with a device um uh, called uh, uh, a beck device and uh, and then Holder Clark came up with a device that's your bug zapper. No. Right? And then this uh, device that uh, we came up with um, 
actually, I'm not the one to come up with it. Um, it's a fellow by the name of Don Croft came up with this um, with this device, which we call the Neopulsar. I've uh, we've amended it slightly to to make it more um, uh, amenable to uh, managing viruses. Um, originally, this device was uh, there for parasites, but uh, we've uh, taken this device and amended it slightly, and uh, we're selling it on our site. Um, $355, and again, it's, it's not cheap, but it's, it's highly, highly effective. How do you actually use it? This Neopulsar looks like this, and the, and the way you actually use it is you turn it on. Yeah. You'll see like mm -hmm. this. Sign. Green flashing light. And then all you need to do is make sure that the green light is flashing such as this, and then you just put it on your skin like this, okay? If you put it on thin skin, it, it works the best. Some people put it like in the back of their pants. But what I'd like to do is, is at night, you actually put this on the soles of your feet and you just wear a sock over it on the soles of your feet. And the soles of your feet are so thick that it's never going to burn your skin. And if you put this on the side of your, of your hand or you stick this on your back, um, it starts to, it'll start to feel like it's burning your skin. So mm -hmm your skin but you put it on at night and you leave it there all night it'll uh, basically put this electricity through your body if you're holding it in your hand how long would you hold it i can hold it for a long time you know this mm -hmm. is the way my five-year-old holds it at night yeah. she holds it like this and and then when she falls asleep um i have my own and and what's cool is like the, the body is is uh full of water so if you put this on your on the skin of your uh, foot, uh, you can actually hold your loved one and they'll get it too because they'll get the electricity through their body too. And you can actually do a ring. While you're spooning. When you're spooning. Interesting. With my daughter, uh, I'm holding her hand or I'm holding her foot until she finds out that I'm holding her foot and she kicks me. And <laughs> until she falls asleep again and I hold her foot, foot again. <laughs> So um, these, so you're saying, and, and this includes all of the COVID type of viruses, viruses in general. That what it does is it stops their ability to reproduce. It yes it neuters them. You know. So the cool thing about this thing is, is you look at the inside; it's really cool, right? Yeah. The reason why we call this a neopulsar. First thing that happens is you have a nine volt battery, which I'm kind of holding up with my fingers, but it's connected to an IC555 chip, which we amended. And it's a it's an integrated circuit 555 timer chip, and it's and it's pulsing out at a particular uh, frequency. But then uh, you know um, what happens is that frequency is going through like these special gemstones, and then it goes through what's called um, a combination of gold, copper, and real silver, right? Yeah. Um, that accounts for the high price of this. Yeah. Um, they call it orgone. I don't know what it's called, but it actually changes the electricity into something new. Then it wraps around a piece of amethyst, then it wraps around using a, an Egyptian toroidal coil. Mm -hmm. around, yeah. Then a magnet, and it just comes around. And what happens is... You have these two pure copper um, yeah. discs that it, that it puts onto, and it's a different type of electricity. It's a different electricity than the yeah. other 
that are out there. And it's, this thing is so, it's, it's a miracle. Oh, you know, I can I can tell you just from uh, years ago when I would carry my bug box around with the copper handles and nine volts, just simple stripped down thing. It actually worked. You could feel a little bit of a tingle and it would start clearing what was in your body. So it's, I mean, it's amazingly low tech in that sense. And yours has just been put, it's in contact with many more beautiful frequencies along the way than what I had. So I'd be very interested to experience that one. That's great. I really love simple Low tech, easy to use things. I mean that that's my thing because I'm lazy. Yeah. You put it on while you're driving, so yeah. you don't have to ozone or anything. So just by having this, you don't really need the ozone in my yeah. opinion. Good news. Well, I love it. Uh, and thanks so much for sharing that with us. We're going to have to sign off here in a sec. So just any final thing that you want to share with well, us. The, the thing is, is we only have a very limited amount of these electrical needles. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to be overwhelmed and you'll be sold out uh, soon because I want to get one, that's for sure. I do want to do that. Yep. Well, I just want to tell people that if we, we do place you on back order, uh, we'll have to refund your money um, until we get uh, the new set of like uh, 500 or 100 to a Yeah. In, but we'll tell you when it's, when it's coming in. Sounds good. Well, Compton... What a journey. Oh, my God. We have been through everything. We've been through the body. We've been through the blood. Uh, we've been through the microbiome. And we've been through our own psycho-spiritual psycho state, which is where we started. So with that, I want to thank you so much. We may have to break this down into three parts because we've covered a lot of ground. And with that, I really want to thank you for putting this together for us because I think the reason people resonate so strongly with you is because you're not afraid. You understand how the cells work, how viruses and bacteria work together. And so not to be afraid of our own bodies because we're made of all of that. So I, again, I don't, uh, I don't have enough words to say thank you for putting this together for our audience here so we can boost our own health. You're welcome. And, and again, um, I put together a, a really comprehensive presentation. So if you'd like for me to come again, I'll tell you about the you know, the latest vaccines, the latest therapeutics, and most of all the oh, yeah. natural supplements, and then how we can make our own live fermented uh, products. Because when you ferment things, it actually breaks down these natural supplements into a much more highly bioavailable format. Some say even a hundred times more effective. We'll definitely do that. Uh, I think it's important. Well, uh, things are going to look different a month from now. This, this is going up very quickly. Uh, and then we'll get back together and see where we are then and how we can progress our well-being. Okay. okay. Thank, thank you so much. Okay, everybody. Uh, I really uh, thank you for staying tuned with us. It's been a long presentation because it's in depth and it's meant to be a total resource for you. So until next time, thank you for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com. And you can catch um, Compton and a couple of the products that were included today under AscendedHealth.com. Thank you. <laughs>